0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 34. And I'm just going to go right into the Word as it all ties together. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Thank you, Father. It's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And just with those thoughts of show me your glory and Moses realizing he needed something more than just himself, realizing Jesus, he needed he needed the Holy Spirit before he could fulfill what God had called him to do. And needing this empowerment upon his life, and knowing it's the good Father's, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There's a word I, I, I want us to, to to look at or, or, or to, to to think about as it pertains to the phrase "Show us your glory" this morning. And and there's this word that I, I want you leaving here that's like penetrated your heart and, and it's, the, it's the phrase, I am satisfied. You know, I, I think in, in life, we're, we're not, if we're not careful, we can look to so many different things that could try to satisfy us. But yet what, and, and, and we can be grasping at so many different straws and so many different things trying to find some sort of satisfaction but realizing, are those really the things that are going to bring satisfaction to our lives? The very thing that's going to bring satisfaction to our hearts? Because, see, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That means, to me, it's his desire to really to cause us to be satisfied. What does satisfied mean? It means to, to not want for anything. It means to, you know what, I'm content in here. Man, and there's, I believe there's so many people throughout, our, our, in, in church, and, and so many people everywhere we go, that, that they're looking for so much satisfaction and contentment, but it's hard to find. Because they're looking at it in so many different places, but within in their hearts and, and where it can truly be found. So let's look in Psalms chapter 34. And David says here, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. He says, my life makes it boast in the Lord. Let the humble and the afflicted hear and be glad. So David says, my life makes it boast in the Lord. Meaning, meaning my life is going to shine for something. Meaning, Meaning, my life is going to express something. If you look at my life, my life is going to mirror and reflect something. Then it says, let the humble and the afflicted be glad, meaning what's happened in my life is going to is also going to affect someone else's life. See, there has to come a time where you allow God to evade your life in such a way that all of a sudden someone else sees something different about you and something different about your life. Because he's saying out of my life, the humble and afflicted are going to see something. Now, pay pay attention or just just that word humble and afflicted for a second. And we'll get back to that in a moment. Verse three says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He said, I sought the Lord and required him of necessity and on authority of his word. And he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. So David is saying, okay, this is how I live my life. I sought the Lord. Meaning my pursuit was after the Lord. And as I pursued him, he delivered me from something. He, he, He set me free from something. The next verse says, they looked unto him and were lightened. Amplified says, they looked to him and were radiant. Their faces shall never blush for shame and be confused. They looked to him and were radiant. Verse six says, this poor man cried now the word poor here is the same word for humble and afflicted in verse 3 it's the same it's the same hebrew word so it says this poor man cried what did the poor man do he cried meaning what does poor mean it means i'm lacking something i'm missing something he's not talking about necessarily something about being poor financially he's talking about being without something I'm lacking something. I'm missing something. So when Moses declared, show me your glory, he was declaring, I need something greater than myself. I need something more in my life. So that's what this, they're saying, this poor man, this humble and afflicted, they were seeing, they were seeing David. And because they were seeing what happened in David's life, they're saying this poor man cried and what the Lord heard him and saved him out from all his troubles So David is saying, just how God did something in my life, and the people saw it, I radiated that. You know what, now this same poor people, you know what, they're going to cry out, you know what, and God is going to do the same thing for them. God is no respecter of person, he's a respecter of faith. God does not go where he's needed, he goes where he's sought. He said, what does the word say? Call upon me and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things. It wasn't, it wasn't, I come to you when I, when, when you need me. No, I come to you when you call upon me, draw near to me and what I will draw near to you. There's this step of faith where, where I'm saying, Lord, I'm releasing my faith in you and I'm coming closer to you because I need what you have to offer. Verse 8 says, the angel of the Lord encamped around about them. Who? The poor man. Camped around those that feared him. What does fear him mean? The ones that cried out to him. It's not being scared of God, but it's just in in respect. Because I respect you, I'm crying out to you. And then verse 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, I love this, what David is saying. Taste and see that the Lord is good. What is David trying to communicate to the people that don't have anything or or that are poor and without? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, this word taste here is, is to me, the word taste here means to perceive. It means to become aware of consciously. So when David is saying, hey, call unto him, cry out to him because he'll deliver you. I just want you to taste and see that he's good. I want you to have an awareness in your mind. It's not tasting as in physical taste. The word, see, when you, you know, we had donuts out front there. So when you tasted that donut, what happened? You became aware that that donut was good. Yeah, your taste buds were aware, but you know what? Your taste buds communicated, communicated something to what? Your mind. So when it's saying taste and see that the Lord's good, it's not just tasting here. It's, it's become mentally aware of his goodness. Be consciously aware of his good taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Oh, fear ye the Lord is saints for there is no want to them that fear him. Verse 10 The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. See, our good Father, the Father, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom, and his desire is that you wouldn't lack any beneficial thing. Any beneficial thing. is not lacking everything that you might be lusting after, but beneficial thing. Sometimes we go after things that aren't beneficial. Says so sometimes the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord. So David is saying, I crowd out the Lord and he showed up. He's talking to the poor. He says, the poor, you cry out to the Lord. He's going to show up. Why? Because I want you to have a mental awareness of how good he is. And how do you see his goodness? Because his desire is that ultimately he would be the satisfaction in your life. Let's go to Psalms 107. Psalms 107. Psalms 107, verse 8 says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Now, remember, what is the glory of God? It's what? The goodness of God, the presence of God, and the power of God, right? So he says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and love and kindness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 9, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good. Hallelujah. Now, look at that. He satisfies the longing soul. Now, I just keep wanting to bring it back. Moses' declaration of show me your glory. This is, this is really our theme this year, right? So, so Moses is declaring, show me your glory. Why? Because he was needing something beyond himself to satisfy his life. And here he says, oh, that men would praise the Lord. For his goodness, then verse nine says, "For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good." The longing soul. This word longing means, in the Hebrew, it gives us a picture in the Hebrew, and it means as a animal would stalk its prey. You ever, you know, been able to go to Africa and and seeing different things? And we were in Africa this past year. We went on a safari, and, and we were at a distance, and there was, a, there was a, a, a cheetah. And he was running after gazelles. But before he started running, he is, he's sitting down. And then he'll walk around. He's just walking around. He's looking. He kind of comes around. He's looking. He goes all the way around. And what, what is he doing? He's longing for that gazelle. He's longing for that gazelle. He's one in that gazelle. And so that's what the picture of this word says. He satisfies the longing soul. Let me ask you, what are are you longing after in your life? Because ultimately, whatever you're longing after, you're going to get it. And that, that's either negative or positive. Whatever you're longing, whatever you're craving, whatever you're desiring, you're going to ultimately walk into it. You're ultimately going to possess it. it it's a spiritual law. Yeah. Whatever you set your attention, whatever you set your focus on is with the direction that you're going to go, right? Amen. And so he says, he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with good. See, his desire is to is to do good things in your life. But the question you have to ask yourself is what am I longing for? What am I hungry for? The word hunger there is a word where we would get famished. Meaning I'm so, if I don't get something to eat right now, I'm gonna die. It's not like, you know, you know, Western culture that if we don't eat in the next three hours, we're, we're, we're not going to make it. It's not that kind of, it's not our version of hunger. It's not Texas kind of hunger. You know, it, no, it's like if I don't eat something right now, my life is going to go down. And he, here just, here's that heartbeat. He says, oh, he says, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry with good. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7. Verse 7. I assume these are some familiar scriptures, but I just want you to see this. It says Ask, and it shall be given you, seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be open. Let me stop there. Most of the time when I would read this, I'm thinking about totally my focus will be on God. You know, ask, and you know what? I'll receive from God. Seek, and I'll find from God. You know, you know uh, knock, and the door God will open the door. And, and, but, but as I was studying this and just praying over this, he's, he's dealing with that spiritual law. Whatever you're asking for, whatever you're seeking after, and whatever you're knocking, pursuing after, is what you're going to obtain. This, this isn't just talking about, this is talking about the golden rule. This, is, this whole section is the golden rule. And, so, you know, so this whole aspect, this is, this is how things work. This is how, this is how the kingdom of God operates. This is how, you know, spiritual laws work. So this ask, this seeking, and this knocking just isn't pertaining to God. But what are the other things you might be seeking after? What are the other things that you might be knocking for and the things that you're trying to obtain? What what are those things? Because ultimately, whatever those things are, those are the things that you're going to lay hold of in your life, right? Then verse 10 says, or, verse 9, I'm sorry, or, what man is there of you if he has a son Ask bread, will he give him a stone? If you then, or or verse 10, or if you ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, Bren, come here for a second. Now, if Bren, my son, would ask for me being a man or a man, has a son, and he asks for bread. Would I give him a stone? Would I give you, if you ask for bread, would I give you a stone? Last night for dinner, you know, you wanted chicken. And no, I said, you know what? There's bushes out back. We'll get you some bushes. <laughs> we put down mulch yesterday, so you can have some of that. It's all good. But no, because see, out of what, my, what the son desires... See, the father's heart is to give what the son desires. You see, the the stone isn't going to benefit him. But he needs the bread. He's asking for the bread. If he asks for a fish, will I give him a serpent? No. And so then God says, if you being evil... And it's not talking about evil in the sense that we understand evil. It just means natural. If you being a natural man want to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the heavenly father give you good things? See, he's desiring good. We're all desiring good things. But the, the question is, what are you seeking after? What are you knocking after? What are you pursuing after? Because see, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Brent. So Amen. Amen. Now, now let's go to John chapter, let's go to John chapter six. Just laying a foundation here. See, it's the Father's desire to bring satisfaction to your life. And when we talk about show me your glory, and this series is is all about beholding Jesus. Behold, he is more than just a man. So let's look at Jesus. Let's look at Jesus and let's see, because if Jesus is a picture, if I'm gaining, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 says, says, "I, I see the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God, what in the face of Jesus. So if I'm looking at Jesus, then I can see God's glory. So let's look at God's glory by looking at Jesus here for a moment as it pertains to his desire to bring satisfaction to our lives. Look at John 6. Now, let just set this up for a moment. This is right after Jesus had just fed 5,000, right? He just fed 5,000 with what? Bread and fish. If a man asked, If a son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? So here we're talking about Jesus multiplying, not stones and serpents. He's multiplying bread and fish, okay? And he feeds 5,000. And these people were following Jesus because because it said in verse 2 of chapter 6, it says, "...because they saw the miracles." See, and that's one thing that we, we really need to, to understand. Are we looking after a sign? Are we looking after miracles? Are we pursuing a person? Amen. See, a lot of people want to obtain wealth and obtain finances in the kingdom of God, but they have wrong heart motives. Amen. Or is your pursuit right? Now, now, let's look at this in verse... Man, um, I want to start in verse... Twenty-four. Is when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples. They also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. So here are these people. Uh, Jesus just got done walking. They, after the 5,000, uh, they, they went to the other side. Jesus walked on the water. He went to the other side. They found out he was there. All of a sudden now they go all the way to the other side of the lake. And now they find out that he's back on the other side. So here they come all the way from one side of the lake back just to see Jesus. They're, they're spending a lot of energy seeking Jesus. But are they really seeking Jesus? Because Jesus tells us what they were really seeking. Let's look at verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Meaning you're not seeking me because of miracles. You're seeking me because I satisfied a natural pleasure. Verse 27, labor not for the meat that perishes, but for the meat which endures into everlasting life. Now now think about that. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endures into life everlasting. You see, they had expended so much energy, Jesus says, because... I filled your stomachs. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, I, I've seen this now, you know, being a pastor now for 10 years or so, you know, I've seen this so many times where people get hit hit bottom in life. And yet they, they come to come to church and God restores their life. But once everything gets going good, where where they go? It's because they were seeking a product. And what God could produce, but not God himself. And so here he's saying, he, he says, don't labor for the meat that perishes, but for the meat which shall endure unto life everlasting life. Which the son of man shall give unto you, for he hath God the father sealed. Meaning he, he wants to give you this everlasting life. But he says, don't labor for the things that perish, that decompose. But labor, work for the meat that endures unto everlasting life. Which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed or empowered. Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? See, here, what was the response? I just want to work the works of God. And and, you know, I want to work the works of God too, but the works of God are not just so I can have works. It's about a person. Because the next verse says this, Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. So don't labor for the food that perishes, but labor, but labor for the meat that endures to everlasting life. And Jesus tells us, what's the labor? It's believing. It's believing. It's not in your much doing. It's not in how good you are. It's not about how many scriptures you can quote. It's about believing. Verse 32 says Then Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not. That bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he that comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life he that comes to me shall never hunger and he that believes on me shall never thirst you see there's this connection that as we look at Jesus Jesus is the bread of life and if we believe in the bread of life he says we have life we have Life. What does what is everlasting life? It's not talking about heaven. It's not, I'm the bread of life, so so that you can go to heaven one day. No, the bread of life is being able to find peace. The bread of life is being able to obtain the joy. The bread of life is realizing that you can hear for you can you can hear his voice, that you can get direction him for, for your purpose. See, they were they were seeking a product and not seeking a person. As you believe on a person, you can experience abundant life. And this isn't, like I said, this isn't just heaven. There's just this peace about your life. Like David was saying, my life radiated something. See, your life will radiate something when you truly believe and you understand that He is your everything. Say, I am satisfied. I'm not going to take the time, but all through this chapter about eight more times, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Let's go to John 4. Just a couple more verses and I'll be done this morning. Believing. Believing. Believing that he is everything that you have need of. believing that in him I'm satisfied. So show me your glory is saying, only you're going to satisfy my life. So we look at Jesus. We see the glory of God and it says, Man, I'm the bread of life. Here in John chapter four, Jesus has, was ministering and he tells the disciples, he says, I need to go through Samaria. They go and they go and buy meat and they're out buying things and, and Jesus sits down at a well And there's a woman there. And Jesus says, Can you you give me a drink of water? And she was like, Well, mate, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for water? Verse 10 says, Jesus answered her, If you had only known and had recognized God's gift. Do you recognize God's gift? Now, the gift wasn't the well of the water. See, we look at all the different things that we might possess as God's gift, and and yeah, they 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 can be the the bless they can be results of the blessing in our life, but the the blessing is Jesus, yes. and when you receive Jesus, it says the blessing of Abraham came upon you, yes. Yes. and that's a whole other message. But but understanding that this point that that. He said, if you had known God's gift, Rashida, he was saying, saying, if you had just known God's gift, you would have asked him for water. This morning, you wherever you're at in your life right now, if you would just recognize the gift, is not it's not the water, it's not the money, it's not the career, it's not the jobs, it's, it's, it's not fame, it's not fortune. If you could just recognize the gift. Now it's amazing that, that your gift can put you before great men. And your gift can do great things in your life, but realize the main gift is Jesus. If you would just recognize God's gift, you would have asked him for water. If you had recognized God's gift and who this is saying to you, this wasn't a what, this is a who. And who this is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and no drawing bucket and the well is deep. How can you provide living water? Where do you get your living water? Verse 12, are you greater than and superior to our ancestors Jacob who gave us this well and who used to drink it from himself and his sons and his cattle also? And Jesus answered her, all who drink of this water will be thirsty again. You see, a natural well can only produce temporary results. That's why Jesus was saying, that's why Jesus was saying, look, why are you spending all this energy going from one side seeking after me? Why seeking, but you weren't seeking me, you were seeking that, I, in fact, I filled your bellies. Why are you seeking after things that perish? But labor, but work for that which is eternal. And what is that work? It's believing. If you had just, you could just say this, if you would just recognize, you could say, if you had just believed God's gift and who this is saying to, you would have asked Him for water. Yes. Are you greater, verse 12, are you greater than and superior to our ancestors Jacob, who gave us this well and who used to drink from Himself, His sons, and His cattle also? Jesus answered her, All who drink of this water will be thirsty again. No matter what you have in the natural. I'm telling you, it's never going to ultimately satisfy your life. No relationship, no substance, no amount of finances, no job, no fame. Nothing is going to bring lasting satisfaction. But whoever drinks this water, I will give him, shall never, no, never be thirsty anymore. But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of water welling up within him unto life eternal. You see, Jesus, in this particular instance, Jesus was not the living water. He was the living well. He was the well. If you would ask me for water, I would give you living water. He's the well. See, there's a well that we need to consistently go to. There's a well that we consistently need to rest in. There's a well that we consistently need to pursue after. There's a reservoir for wisdom. There's a reservoir for your righteousness. There's a reservoir for your peace. There's a reservoir for joy. There's a reservoir for your prosperity. There's a reservoir for anything that you have need of in life. And it's found in the gift. So if if I see Jesus and I see the glory of God, I see everything that I have need of found in Jesus. There's not another answer. There's not another way. There's it's Jesus. And 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 one thing we have to really get a hold of ourselves, get a hold in our life is we stop have to try we have to stop how do I say this? Trying to conform God to our lives. And conform ourselves to his life. Because that's where Strength is found. Yes. Jesus is not just a, a He's not just a fix for the moment. He has to become our life, yes. our pursuit. Yes. He is a living well. Yes. The woman's verse 15 The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never get thirsty, nor have to come all the way here to draw. What is she asking? I'm tired of spending natural energy. For things that don't last. And, and we know this because Jesus keeps talking to her and says, well, where's your husband? And she goes, well, um, you know, I'm not married right now. <laughs> and he's like, well, you've spoken truly. You've actually had five husbands and the one you're living with is not your husband. So what, what is Jesus saying to her? He's saying, saying, look, you've gone to too many wells. And the wells haven't satisfied. Try a different well. I want to encourage you this morning. If things haven't been working and, and you haven't, and, and, and things have seemed to be broken in your life. Try a different well. It's good. It's good. It's good. Please, if you've known God's gift. You know, whether we're looking in John 6 or we're looking at John 4. I believe Jesus really gives us a picture of how do we tap into this? How, how do we release our belief in this? And, and I believe it, it, it's in twofold. I'm not going to expand on these right now, but twofold. In John 4, he talks to the woman about worship. How do we tap into that living well? It's through our worship. He says, those that worship me, he goes on right after that about the husbands and says, they argue about worship. And he says, you know, hey, the father's looking for worshipers. Oh, worship in spirit and in truth. What does that look like? That means worship spirit means the center of who you are. It's not like Scooby-Doo, ooh, spirit. It's not, it's not, it's not worship in spirit. If I just, just cue the smoke right now, we can look spiritual and everything's right. No, worship in spirit has nothing to do with music you play, music you sing. It's not the slow music during the service. But worship is, is suke, meaning the center of who you are. In truth, the word truth there means not concealing anything. So it says the Father, how do we tap into this life in a greater degree? It's in Jesus. But how do we live at this well? It's through your worship. He's looking for worshipers that will give all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and not conceal anything, not hold anything back. And then John 6, how do you tap into it? Jesus says in verse 63, 65, 66, all in there. They had a bunch of people walk away and he tells them, he goes, you know what? My words, they're spirit and they're life. So how how do we tap into the living water and how do we tap into the living bread? It's Jesus. It's found through our worship and it's found through the word. And allow those things to be the things that shape your life. Give me two more scriptures before I close. Maybe three. Colossians, (laughs) Colossians three. I'll I'll be quick. I'm not rushing. I'm, I'm, I'm just taking my time and just sharing my heart with you this morning. Colossians three. Say I am satisfied. satisfied. Colossians three. I believe we've gone to this verse a lot over the last probably six months or so, but verse one says, If then you being raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich, the eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds and keep them set on what is above. You know, what is Moses? Show me your glory. What is that? That's I'm setting my affection on something because I'm setting my affection on the fact that I need your glory because that's the only thing that's going to satisfy my life. Set your minds and keep it set. That's my encouragement to you this morning. In order to live a satisfied life, keep your attention focused on something. There's so many things that are going to vie for your attention, so many things that are going to vie for your time, so many distractions in life, so much busyness, so much things in life, so many different opinions, so many different ideas, so many different thoughts and so many opinions. But here, he really gives us one idea and one opinion that we need to focus on. And what's that? Set your affection on things above. Set your affections on things above where Christ is seated. And not on things on the earth. And not on things on the earth. Let me say it. And not on things on the earth. <laughs> not on things on the earth. Now, that doesn't mean that we have our heads in the clouds and we're flaky Christians. And that we can't relate to, to humanity. The issue is, is, what is my, what is my, this is about pursuit, Set your affection here and not here because wherever your affection is is what you're gonna pursue, right? So here he's saying, if you're risen with Christ, meaning if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you have a whole nother pursuit. Set it on things that are above. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4, for when Christ, who is our life? Is not, not, who is Christ? Who is our life? It's not, it's not Justin and I, I add Christ on Sundays. Paul is saying, Christ, who is my life? Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives within me. What, and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Meaning, I'm not even living my own life by my own faith anymore. I'm living by the faith of the Son of God. Yes. Amen. See, this is how you have to start looking at things and how you look at life. It's setting your affection. Christ, who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now let's look at verse 10. So I've read the next verses. I'll go from some other rabbit trails. but He says, and having clothed yourself with the new spiritual self. So set your affections on things above, and then what? Clothe yourself with this new life. Hallelujah your spiritual self, now they, get this, and Amplified says, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded, remolded into the fuller and more perfect knowledge of Him. Knowledge after the image, the likeness of Him who created it. Now get verse 11. In this new creation, all distinctions vanish. There is no room and there can neither be Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, nor difference between nations, whether alien, barbarians, or Scythians, who are the most savage of all, nor slave or free. Now get this, but Christ is all and in all. Now get Amplified says everything and everywhere to all men without distinction of person. Meaning, mean, it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter about your past. You have to realize when I set my affection on Christ and I put on this new man, Christ is my all in all. I am sufficient in all things. I'm not lacking anything. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but those that worship the Lord will not want anything. Go to Philippians Philippians 4, There's, if you're taking notes, you can also write down 2 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 5. And I'm not going to go there, but you can. it just talks about being rich in Him, come behind, coming behind in no gift, fully supplied in Christ. Now look at Philippians 4, and I'll close with this. Philippians 4, verse 11, Amplified says, Not that I'm implying that I was in any personal want, for I've learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I'm in. Verse 12, I know how to be abased and live humbly in straightened circumstances, And I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. No, Paul didn't take some sort of oath of poverty here. He's just saying, you know what? I've been poor and I've been rich. And it doesn't matter because that doesn't affect my pursuit. My current natural state doesn't change my pursuit. I have learned in any, all, any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation. I love that. The secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry, having a sufficiency and enough to spare, or going without and being in want. Verse 13, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything. I'm equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. And I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So if, we're, if we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus, and we look, at the, we look at Paul, then we can see, as I look at Jesus, I am sufficient in him. That's what, that's what Moses was crying out for. I need your sufficiency, Father. And wherever you are in your life right now, Christ, he's more than just a man. He is the bread of life. He is the well that produces eternal life. And he is your all-sufficient Savior. So this morning, set your affection on him. Pursue him. Don't labor and pursue and spend all your energy focusing on things that don't last. But work for and pursue those things that are eternal. What's the work? Believing. Believing that He is. Believing that He is my sufficiency. Everyone stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that Father, you are our sufficiency this morning. You are our sufficiency. Thank you that you are faithful. And I thank you for every heart here this morning that they would make the decision to make make you their all in all. to make you their bread of life, to make you the, the well that provides living water. Just everyone with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I I just want you to just pray over me because I've been looking for so, in so many directions and so many things for satisfaction, but yet if Come up empty. If that's you with no one looking around, just slip your hand up. See those hands. See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just be the person on your left and your right. Just place your hand on their shoulders. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that your presence is enough. And I thank you this morning, all of us. All of us, I believe, have been challenged in some way and somehow that we've been setting our affection on wrong things. All of us, even me included. Setting our affection and setting our pursuits on wrong things. Being worried about the wrong things. Worried about how is this going to happen? What's going to take place here? How am I going to get there? And how is this going to turn around? And and instead of just all the, the the labor of things that that aren't temporary, we we just push those things aside today as a church body, and 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 all of us just make a decision to to rest in you. Show us your glory today. Show us your glory, your goodness, your power, and your presence. That our eyes of our understanding would be open to. The magnitude of who Christ is. And, and we make the decision to set our affection on things above and not on things on the earth. And I thank you for strengthening every heart today. That as they leave here today, their focus would not be on natural water like the Samaritan woman. Their, 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 their focus wouldn't be on natural bread. Their focus even wouldn't be on just pursuing a miracle pursuing a healing or pursuing a breakthrough or pursuing, you know, finances or pursuing a better job or, or pursuing a career or pursuing this, that, or the other. But, but father, all of us would make that decision that we would, we would pursue you, that you would become the object of our our affection, that the object wouldn't be what we pursue, but you would be the object. You said if we delight ourselves in the Lord, you would give us the desires of our heart. So Father, I thank you even today. We want you to be our desire. That you would be our desire. We seek first the kingdom. All those other things will be added unto us. And I just thank you for strength into every life. Strength into every heart. I thank you for strength into every home. I thank you for freedom in their finances. I thank you for wisdom in every area of their lives. I I thank you, Father, for that right now you're even touching people physically in their bodies, physically in their emotions. Thank you for emotional healing this morning, that they're satisfied in you, that they're healed emotionally. They're healed in every way. thank you that you are speaking to them directly exactly what they need to do to make things right in in every area of their life I thank you for your peace this morning and your presence this morning Receive this word this morning. We'll give him a shout of praise and we receive this word. Hallelujah.